If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Welcome to episode 127 of the Leading Learning Podcast. In this episode, we talk with David Kerfurst and Chris Zumtable, co-founders of Think Olio. Stay tuned and we'll make sure you know exactly what Olios are and what David and Chris are doing with them. But before we get to that, we want to be sure to acknowledge our sponsor for the first quarter of 2018. We're happy to have Blue Sky eLearn sponsoring this quarter. Blue Sky is the maker of the PATH Learning Management System, an award-winning cloud-based learning solution that empowers your organization to maximize its message. Blue Sky also provides a range of virtual event and instructional services to help you maximize your content and create deeper engagement with your audience. To find out more about Blue Sky eLearn and everything it offers, visit blueskyelearn.com. For our resource for this episode, we want to point you to Thinkolio's Chance Operation for Learning. And to get access to that resource, you can simply go to the show notes for this episode at leadinglearning.com slash episode 127. Chris and David mentioned uh, the Chance Operation for Learning at the very end of their interview, and we encourage you to check it out. And it's an opportunity for you to perhaps learn a little, but also I think Think about the potential for how you might do something similar with the learning assets and resources that you have at your organization. And I think every time we do one of these interviews, it's sort of a a chance operation to kind of roll the dice and and see what we're going to learn in in the process of doing it. So give us a preview. What did did you cover with David and Chris, Salisa? Well, I I do want to talk about what I covered with them, but I realize I should back up a little bit because when you go to the Chance Operation for Learning, they don't really provide any backstory there. They gave a a little bit of it in the interview that you'll get to hear, but basically they're drawing on John Cage, famous composer, and his affinity for Chance Operations, and they're kind of applying it to the learning resources and assets that they have. So anyhow, just kind of a little bit of inside uh, information to have when you check out that Chance Operation for Learning. And David and Chris and I talked about um, many things. We talked about how they got started with Think Olio. We talked about how um, they're a little bit cross, excuse me, counterculture to what's going on in so much of the the lifelong learning field there. Um, they are dealing with place-based education. They are dealing with um, a lot of lecture type format, not solely. They're very, uh, they corrected me when I um, said, you know, these are lectures. They said, well, no, they're oleos, and we'll talk about what that term means. They define that for us. But, um, you know, they're doing some things that are a little bit different. They're they're committed to um, really focusing on a small market, to being place-based, and to really relying on good instructors who are known for their teaching. So it was a very interesting conversation. I had a lot of fun talking with them both. Um, they are uh, clearly interested in what they're doing. And I think what's also a little different from so many of the folks that we talked to, they are providers of learning, but um, in so many cases, the organizations that provide learning are really providing it for an audience that's different than they are. So you might be the VP of education or a director of learning at an organization, but the doctors or nurses or the lawyers or the CPAs that you serve, that's not your field. Um, with David and Chris, 
they are serving themselves uh, in, in large part, and they got started because they wanted to keep learning. And so they very much are, um, you know, learner personas for those that they serve. So it was a, a fun, interesting conversation. I think it gives a different look at lifelong learning um, than one that we typically get um, from interviewees here. So I think it'll be a nice, different perspective for listeners. Well, I know we were both very struck by what they were doing. We encountered them actually in the, the Southwest Airlines magazine, which ran a, a big story on them. And uh, we were both fascinated. And I think it struck that sort of uh, liberal arts chord in our, our background, too. And uh, just, just what they're doing. Well, it, it was just it was really interesting. So I'm glad we got the, talk, the chance to talk with them. You, of course, drew the, the, the lucky straw. So you were the one who got to have the conversation. I, I will say I, I'm Pretty sure it is the first, and I, I'm betting it may be the last time that we're going to hear about John Cage as an inspiration for the uh, the learning initiatives that uh, that we cover here. So I'm in, I'm intrigued by that. I'm intrigued by the whole concept of Thinkolio. So uh, without further ado, well, actually, Jeff, I want to say one other thing because I'm really glad you brought up that Southwest article because I think any time lifelong learning makes a cover story on a non-learning magazine. We need to stop and pause. And that's actually what, as you said, led us to David and Chris reaching out to them. So, but again, think about that. They actually got on a, a mainstream magazine about learning. Very, very good point. That was worth some further ado, I think, to make that point. But, uh, but now, without further ado, let's proceed with the interview with David and Chris. Hello out there. I'm Salisa Steele, and this is the Leading Learning Podcast. And today I have the fun of talking with David Kerfurst and Chris Zumtable. Chris and David are the co-founders of Thinkolio, uh, which is a three-year-old startup that provides four-fee lectures, aka Olios, in New York City on a wide range of topics from the problem of evil to David Lynch's Mulholland Drive to universal basic income to Afrofuturism, and much, much more. So, Chris and David, welcome to the Leading Learning Podcast. Hi. Hey, thank you for having us. And so, to start things off, since um, I just gave a really brief sketch of, of Thinkolio, uh, I want to give you guys a chance to say a little bit more. What else would you have listeners know about Thinkolio, your origins, and what you're doing now? I think that was a pretty excellent introduction. You very well said, and you chose really cool oleos to highlight. So, well done. I'll just piggyback off that. Um, so, this is David speaking, by the way. But um, so, Think Oleo is a collective of lifelong learners. That's how we think about ourselves these days. And um, we pop up in all sorts of different venues with professors to hold provocative and thought-provoking events, which you mentioned we call oleos. And uh, we try to keep them accessible, and all of our classes are at the price of a movie ticket. Um, Chris and I have sort of taken inspiration from both the good and bad experiences we had during our school time. Um, and, you know, so we, we take a lot of inspiration from the great classrooms we were a part of, but we're also very mindful of all the excess and the bureaucracy that came along with higher learning and sort of got in the way of our experience there. And uh, we met in a, in a college class in 2015, a social entrepreneurship class at Baruch College, which is part of the city university structure here in New York. And um, the final project of that class was to pitch an idea 
uh, for a sustainable venture that we wanted to, you know, possibly pursue. And I had like the rough sketch for Oleo in my mind at that time. And it was sort of a, a center where adjunct professors would be allowed to teach and people could just pop up all day and, and join in on a class whenever they wanted, sort of like a gym membership model. Mm-hmm. Um, and I presented it to the class and then Chris said, Hey man, let's go out for a beer. I really like this idea and I have some ways that we can, can work on it. And Chris just had a bunch of really, really great additions to that, that initial model. And he told me that he was now my business partner <laughs> and <laughs> I didn't have a choice in the matter. <laughs> and we started it pretty much right there and then and, yeah. and started working on it together. Mm-hmm. I think we had a class in David's living room like a month later. Uh-huh. Yeah. Very quickly organized. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that is how it started out, I believe. Mm-hmm. Well, great. And, and so maybe for folks who aren't familiar with the term, would you, would you enlighten us on um, the name Think Olio? Yeah, definitely. Um, this is Chris talking now just so you can get a feel for our voices, if they're, if they're even different. <laughs> um, but um, Olio is like a, uh, just an English word. It's kind of like, uh, you know, it's like portfolio. But um, Olio is just a miscellaneous collection of art and literature. And that's kind of been like um, the driving force behind deciding what what types of classes we're going to have always is that they, um, they're never really a skill based uh, talk or um, lecture you'll go to or like something to help you like get a get a job in the future. But more under the lines of like you're going to walk out the door um, feeling a little bit confused, but thinking about something new that you maybe never thought of before and hopefully having your um, interest peaked in something you want to explore a little more deeply. Well, that's great. And actually, that dovetails really nicely with something I wanted to ask you about, because I know on the Think Olio website, you say that you're not about learning a new skill or adding credentials to your resume, that it's about getting together with other people and expanding uh, your worldview. Um, it's about enhancing awareness of humanity and nurturing appreciation for the humanities. And and then as you also already said, you know, you mentioned that the Olios are open and accessible to pretty much anybody, you know, it's just anybody who's curious. Um, and so you have this kind of anti-goal perspective, um, you know, more of a, a view uh, of education and learning, not as a means to an end, um, such as gainful employment, but more of learning as an end. And, and I think that's really laudable. And I'll say that I'm the product of a liberal arts education myself, so I mm-hmm. especially appreciate that. But I also feel like it's maybe a little countercultural or at least at odds with some of the emphasis that's being put on things like the skills gap and workforce development and the growing interest even in things like micro-credentials and digital badges, which are these, you know, uh, credentials and skill-based uh, recognition for things. And, you know, most of the leading learning podcast listeners are helping learners in a particular field or profession and industry. And, and, and so they very much have an end in mind for the education they're providing. They're thinking about how to help those learners um, show what they know via credentials and skills validation. So again, I think it's just really interesting what you guys are doing because it seems um, to run against so much of what I'm sort of around um, most days. And so I'm just curious to know what relationship you see between what you're doing at Thinkolio and the broader market for lifelong learning that includes continuing education and professional development. 
So I just would love to hear you guys, uh, what, what you think about yeah. that. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, well, first of all, we definitely think there's room for both, right? Um, the fact that people are wanting to learn anything, whether they have a specific goal for their career in mind, um, or if it's just something that's, you know, on their mind and they want to learn more about just through sheer interest, we think is great. Um, and it's just awesome to have people who want to stimulate their minds and progress in that way. But, um, sort of the experience we had at, at university, um, was we were talking to a lot of people who felt very rushed during their college experience mm. um, and forced to confine themselves into a, sort of a field of specialization. And that seems to be the way that universities are going right now. And Chris and I really bonded over the fact that we were loving all of our liberal arts classes with adjunct professors and that we didn't, um, you know, we really took our time in college. I was working part-time jobs all throughout school. So I took six and a half years to finish my degree. And it was maybe in the third or fourth year when I started to take school seriously um, for not, not in a career sense, but in realizing all the amazing opportunities I had within this university to just take my time, learn, take interesting classes, meet different people and just sort of follow my curiosity. So, um, I had that privilege to, to realize that and to be encouraged to do that by my family um, at the time. And I think Chris did as well. And we sort of met at that moment and said, why don't we expand this? We know there's people who never got to take a poetry class when they were in college because they were, you know, working in the STEM fields and they were told that the only way they'll get a job is by ignoring those classes. So we just wanted to create a... Uh, an avenue or space where people could do that, even if they are 10 years out of college. Mm -hmm. I, I, uh, just to jump in here, I do think that David and I were both e extremely lucky in, in college that we, that we went to CUNY um, w and found a, a program called uh, CUNY BA, which allowed us to sort of design our own majors and hop around just to professors who we really loved. And so we, we like discovered the like inherent joy in learning um, while we were in school and didn't have to feel too rushed because the CUNY is so affordable and there are great scholarship opportunities that um, I just think we had a very unique experience through school that kind of led us directly to um, Thinkolio as it is today. Well, you know, another aspect of what you guys are doing that I feel is, again, kind of um, a little bit at odds or contrarian to, to what I um, experience is just the format that you're dealing with, that you're basically dealing with lectures and lectures have gotten kind of a bad rap in, in my world with um, where there's a growing emphasis on this notion of the guide on the side versus the sage on the stage. And, and you're also dealing with place-based um, offerings. I mean, you're, you're focused on gathering people together in New York City. And I feel like, uh, you know, so much of what we're dealing with is is the growth of, of online offerings and especially on-demand offerings where you're not necessarily um, interacting with other people at all, even, even virtually. So, I mean, do you guys have a sense that you're running kind of counterculture? And, um, and, and do you what do you find appealing about the format that you're working in? And I'm thinking about that place-based lecture and maybe what do you find challenging about that as well? Mm -hmm. I actually feel like there's like a bunch of ways I could go with this question, but um, 
I do. I like the idea of being thought of as counterculture with this sort of thing, but that was, um, it was never really the, the emphasis for us. Uh, we just thought there's something huge about learning in the same room as other people at the same time, um, rather than through a screen. And personally, I've always been really, really bad at learning through a computer or through, um, uh, like digitally in any way. So like the, the, the aspect of, um, learning with the professor there is actually really important personally. Um, but yeah, the, uh, um, sorry, what was the other part of your question? The lectures. Inter oh, lectures. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Dave. Yeah. Sorry. I offered like a triple barreled question. Yeah. So, um, lectures actually aren't, um, there's still like a, a big part of what we do, but they're kind of a, an entry point in a lot of ways. And our lectures are, are, um, we have every Friday we have like a very large lecture at Strand Bookstore where we're just trying to give people like a, um, a way into a new idea. And then you can kind of gauge whether it's something you're interested in. And, and then the professor is just someone who spent a lot of time thinking about this thing. So I think it's nice to have someone who's like leading the conversation, but it's all like it, when I'm even calling them lectures, it's kind of like why we like to call them olios is it's not a lecture. There's a lot of back and forth. It's very interactive. I mean, just this last talk um there's just a philosophy professor just running around the room with a microphone handing it to everyone in the audience so it's not really that uh, let me tell you how it is mentality but um the best like what we actually love um that we've been putting a lot more energy into lately is our smaller seminars which are limited to 20 people and it's um they they're held on a recurring basis so there's um they're usually in groups of four and it's the same professor with the same group of 20 to 25 people each week and there's readings in between even like a little bit of homework but um it's very conversational it's working through a hard text together or a hard idea together there's definitely still no answers but um it does feel like that deeper learning that we've we're really um that we've been going for since the beginning of Olia mm -hmm. I think Olia yeah, we used to be afraid to say the word lectures because of that connotation. And also, we should say, when we've uh, a few months into starting Olio, we really opened it up and allowed sort of anyone who seemed interesting to teach these classes. They didn't necessarily have to be um, a professional teacher. Like we had photographers and um, uh, long form journalists and, and different people, designers, to teach these classes. And what we learned is the value of a teacher, someone who is dedicated to that craft. And that's their main focus because we had some pretty bad classes, honestly, at first where, um, you know, they tried to be too interactive and uh, didn't have a hold of the crowd because everyone was speaking and saying their ideas. And um, it wasn't the correct format, but it wasn't what we were looking for. And ever since we pared it down and, and said, you know, this, we have professors and professional teachers lead our classes it's really changed everything for us. Um, and also, you know, we make sure every time we bring on a new teacher that they are the type that teaches in an interactive way and values um, how much they can learn from the people in the room as opposed to, you know, just thinking that they know all the answers. And because our rooms are so diverse um, with educational backgrounds and life experiences, teachers are pretty smart to, to recognize that. And, well, so I think that's a really interesting um, a point that you've made, which is just the importance of the professors, of those teachers. So uh, 
will you talk a little bit about how you go about um, figuring out whether the individual who who knows about whatever topic is going to be good in the room? Is that something where you just talk to them a little bit and get a feel for it ahead of time? Is it something where you try it out one time and then that tells you whether or not to reach out to them again or, or some other method? Yeah, this is maybe the most fun part about what we do. Um, it starts with like a lot of a lot of research online. Uh, honestly, right, my professor is hugely helpful with this. Um, not necessarily the ratings, but the reviews. Like mm-hmm. you can really tell the way a student talks about a professor if they're like someone who just loves to teach, loves to um, uh, help people learn new concepts and spend time with them, getting uh, like helping them through these ideas. So that's really where it starts for us, either there or um, word of mouth. A lot of people come to an Olio and then they're just like, you got to get this person to teach for you. They're my favorite professor. And there's so many great professors and teachers in New York City that um, it's there's it's, it's just like it's just so many to, to go through. But um, the next step is we just send them an email and we say, hey, let's go get a beer and talk about this. Um, we want to tell you what we're doing. We'd love to hear a little bit more about what you're studying. And then we just usually can tell from there if like it's going to be someone who is going to make Thinkolio a part of their life, really. Like, we don't want them to just teach, like, a one-off lecture with us. Um, they're with us. They're going to, like, uh, go to the movies and then go home and be like, hey, I, I want to teach on this movie. I just thought we want them to, like, keep us in mind in, like, that um, uh, that way that anytime they have a new idea, we're the outlet for them to explore that. Right. Yeah, we used to um, sort of just try to bring on as many teachers as possible because we wanted to do, you know, one event every day. And we had, like... A, pretty ambitious hopes for the volume of Olio's we were doing. And then we realized that's just not what we were after, that we weren't enjoying ourselves by doing so many and um, we were losing some of the quality. So now we've got it down to like a roster of maybe 20 professors who really do think about Olio as a part of their lives, as part of their teaching life, um, supplementary to the university. They get to explore the ideas that uh, they might not get to in the classroom and they're not uh, sort of bound by a curriculum and grading and all these things. So it's a nice outlet for them to try new ideas and talk about things that they're interested in in their personal life and that they think other people should be privy to, I guess, and create those conversations. And yeah, most of our professors within those 20 teach with us at least once a month, sometimes more. Um, so they really become our friends and <laughs> we know pretty quickly if they're, if they're right for the environment or not uh, based um, seeing them teach in their classroom with their students or if they teach one Olio, we can kind of know right away. But we do generally try to go sit in on one of their classes um, also just to see them teach before uh, bringing them on board. So let's shift a little bit. I want to talk some about um, impact. Um, and, and so how do you think about evaluating the impact of what you're doing with Thinkolio? Do you have, um, you know, evaluations, little kind of surveys that you're giving at, at every Olio, or do you have other regular mechanisms in place to get some feedback and some evaluation data? And related to that is, I guess, just the big question of what kind of impact are you looking to have and what would be the, the types of data you either are or, or could gather um, that would show you whether you're having that desired impact? Yeah, it's a super interesting question and something we talk about a lot. But um, a lot of our data is actually, so we do send out surveys afterwards, but they're like kind of like 
did you make a friend at the Olio? <laughs> did you, um, how would you rate the learning experience? And it's like, my mind was blown or like, uh, I don't think I really learned anything. Um, so I don't know how helpful that data is. <laughs> um, we kind Very of qualitative, quantitative. <laughs> we gather more data on like an implicit level, I would say like through conversations with the people afterwards. Um, I, I honestly think there's too much data in education already, and it gets in the way in a lot of cases. Um, that's not really what we're trying to be, what we want to be. I, I think our impact is there just based on the reaction we get from the crowd and the conversations we hear over beers afterwards and um, just getting people out of like their uh, – just what we hear from people like this gets them out of their 9-to-5 work schedule and into like, like I haven't used my brain in this way in so long and um, things like that, but – Honestly, impact is like a huge part of what we're thinking about in terms of, yeah, it's great to engage some of these topics and talk about these ideas. But a lot of the time people leave the classes thinking about these things, but not knowing what to do with that energy afterwards. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're actually working on partnering um, with some nonprofits in New York to kind of create this community of like, Hey, if this is something you're interested in, like here's people who are actually on the ground working in this world and you can get involved here. Um, and that's, I mean, we're now three years in and it's something that's been on our mind the whole time, but it finally feels like we have enough, um, structure and energy and, and uh, uh, um, even like we've found the right people to like make this a reality. So mm -hmm. it's a, it's something we're excited about going forward. I think that's a really nice perspective, that idea of um, focusing on the energy that comes out of, 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 of attending or being part of an Olio and thinking about how you can help people know some next steps or some opportunities to go deeper there if, if that topic or, or idea or whatever it was really resonated with them. Definitely. Thank you. So in terms of the goals that you have for Think Olio, I'm, I'm just interested in sort of knowing... Um, you know, where you'd like to, to end up, you know, your three years and, um, you know, do you sort of see this as a, a labor of love? Is it a, a boutique business? Is this something you're going to grow to grow to being a global juggernaut sort of where along the spectrum are you hoping to land? The word juggernaut kind of scares me, but <laughs> I like the global part of it. <laughs> I think it's all three of the categories that she mentioned. Um, it's definitely a labor of love. I mean, we're, we get to learn <laughs> for our, our careers. This is our job. Every day we get to organize lectures and seminars, and we get to hang out with such smart people. And, and we're continuing our education, which was the initial selfish goal of this in the first place. And then we get to highlight professors, which we think are pretty mistreated within our society these days. So um, that all feels really great and valuable to us on a personal level. And then uh, we're also pretty happy with the idea of it being a lifestyle business, I would say. Um, you know, we've gone back and forth a lot. We were in like a incubator program that saw us as having the potential to be like an Airbnb type of model for learning. And that's when we were talking about, you know, trying to do 30 to 40 oleos a month and get as many teachers as possible. But uh, we sort of just listened to ourselves at that point and I guess listened to Think Olio and saw what it wanted to be. And really people were much more excited about coming to one of these a week or two of these a week and um, letting them resonate and not rushing through them. And um, 
but we do want to create the tools now that we've been doing this for three years, we want to create the tools so that other people can implement them in their cities because we think we have barely scratched the surface of New York within three years. So it's hard for us to like take our attention off of the city and go someplace else. But we think it needs to exist um, elsewhere. And so there's plenty of people who are capable of doing what we're doing. And um, we're sort of working on the systems right now that would help others start it in their communities. And um, it, w- it would be really interesting to see what shape that takes in different parts of the world. So a Think Olio franchise coming soon to a city <laughs> near all our listeners. We're maybe. working on it. Anyone's we're trying. So, yeah, we're done with the Airbnb. We want to be the McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, you know, so you're talking about kind of that, you know, you're staying more focused in, in New York, at least, you know, you're for the two of you for Think Olio as it exists now, but with this idea that it does have potential for other um, locations. And so you want to provide those tools for others. I know a relatively recent move you've also made is, is to a membership model. Um, and so I would love to hear you guys talk a little bit about what prompted the move to, to membership. Yeah, um, there's a bunch of reasons. Um, first of all, like just thinking of it in terms of uh, it's it's exciting that the organization is just um, Dave and I making all the decisions all the time, but also it, just because we can move so quickly with that structure. But at the same time, we don't think we should be the ones making all the decisions all the time. Mm. So th- with this membership model, it really allows us to kind of probe our um, – committed members and really get some feedback on like, Hey, what seminars do you think we need next? Hey, like what, what areas are we really lacking in our curriculum? Are you like, what, what kind of professors do you think are missing from our um, roster? So those sort of things, it's really helpful, but it also, um, I, there's just, I, people, I think, and I'm the same way you, you, you do something one time and it's like really fun and you kind of are looking for a way to get involved. Uh, but you kind of, like the all of a sudden it's the next day and the next week and you kind of like forget about it and it like goes away. Whereas if like right away there's just like this way in where it's just like I'm I'm now a member of Thinkolio, I'm part of that community. Um, it really, I, I mean, we've just noticed the energy change the minute we did that. And we hold a lot of like special events for our members, town halls where they can kind of give us feedback on things we're doing. Um, it just feels like more of a, a organization now that uh, – isn't just like Dave and I just like, oh, should we, should we try this? Should we do this? It's like, uh, yeah, the structure has been down. very helpful to right. us, I would say. Yeah, and people just, um, I think get a lot of excitement about becoming committed to something like this. Um, like Chris said, it just captures the energy you have at that moment and gives you some momentum to keep going with it. And yeah, we've seen like, um, our community really start to take more of a solid shape after we made that move. And um, financially it helps Chris and I not worry about each individual event being like super, super well attended, you know, um, because we do have committed people who are giving us monthly, um, monthly donations. And so, you know, it takes a little of the pressure off of us each month uh, that we don't need to be, data driven and hitting all our goals on every class yeah no yeah we like to 
say um, that we transition to being member driven, which means that it's um, not just that we're sustained monthly by our, the um, contributions from our members, but they're also driving the decision making behind what we do going forward. And, uh, it's been a really exciting move for us, and uh, it's it feels like a it, we became a new company a new company when we made that decision. Mm. Well, I, and I think you guys are already beginning to get into this because one of the other things I wanted to ask about is we've talked a little bit about some of the basically strategic decisions that you've made over you know the past three years as you've been figuring out what Thinkolio is and wants to be. Um, and so I was curious to know about how you've set strategy. Um, you know, how did you decide what you did and what you didn't do? And and now it seems with this move to the membership driven approach, um, you're you're probably facing are potentially facing a shift in how you've set strategy. So could you talk a little bit about um, strategy in the past and then kind of strategy going forward for Thinkolio? Yeah. Um, it's actually really funny. Like if, if we think back to our very, very, very first meetings about Thinkolio, um, I don't even know if we, when did we come up with the name? Like that was like just randomly in a staircase. Yeah. I remember where, but not when. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. We, uh, when we first had the first the meetings with like the professor who taught our first class, Michael Haltenberger, who was an adjunct at Hunter College and one of David's professors, this the where we are right now with Olio is almost exactly what we talked about that day. I feel like like he was like he was pitching us just like a four part seminar on Kurt Vonnegut's Cat's Cradle, and we were just like, whoa, I don't know if we can get people to sign up for four classes. They don't even trust us to do anything yet. I don't think like, what if they'll be like, yeah. So it's taken us three years to get to our initial idea. And we've gone in so many strange directions throughout (laughs) these three years and tried so many different things. And really I think our like barometer is just, we go to, I'd say 85, 90% of all of our oleos. And so we just say afterwards, like, was that an oleo? Did that feel right? Um, mm-hmm. and a combination of our, of us speaking, speaking with the teachers and then speaking with all the people in the room, um, sets those guidelines. Yeah. All the new ideas just come from like, we spend a lot of time with the people who come to Olio's and with the professors who teach them. And it's, it's kind of like a fun idea to talk about and brainstorm about. And so when, um, we try to bring as many people into that conversation as possible so that, yeah, the future I don't know there's two things I'd say here is that like Olio has been in no way like just a linear climb to like oh now it's we're almost there like this is what we're trying to do it's been like oh like let's tweak it this way or let's try this or like let's try this crazy thing that was definitely a bad idea <laughs> um and then uh now it's like we do feel like with this membership with these like larger Olios with these seminars like that's a perfect skeleton for what we want to try with Olio like that those are the those are the bones that are going to keep it moving forward and then we can add on whatever it is like we have goals to do like uh, Olio retreats upstate or like full day Olios where there's mm-hmm. multiple professors speaking in larger events and um, and then like uh, to start our own publishing to, uh, portion of think Olio where we'll put out research from our professors and a fellowship, these different things like that, but they'll all grow out of this like base that we've really built at this point. And our professors are also really important in, uh, you know, our structure going forward. We have teachers who get really excited about 
the opportunity to teach out of the university. So they're pitching us like their wildest dreams for an event. We have this one professor, Jeff Clock, who has been teaching with us for like two, two and a half years now. And he's got an amazing imagination and just sends us, you know, text messages like, Hey guys, we should do a four hour Olio where we watch this entire David Lynch movie. And I'm going to pause it at certain points and teach on what uh, Lynch is trying to say. And you'll understand Lynch by the end of it. <laughs> and it was the first time we thought, Oh, we could incorporate a whole movie and do a, a longer session with people in a movie theater. Um, and then that same professor also pitched us an album listening Olio, which has led to us doing more of that uh, where teachers are bringing vinyl players to the strand bookstore. And we listen to a whole talking heads album and, and break that down. And so it feels like there's so much more we can do in terms of learning, learning styles and structures. And we're becoming less inhibited about that, the different ways that we can learn and our teachers are as well. Um, and moving towards a, a less passive approach to learning mm-hmm. is a big goal right now. Definitely. Well, so let's, well, I'm going to, we've been talking about think Oleo um, mostly, but maybe I'm going to get you guys to pick up for a minute and think kind of even more broadly about kind of just in general, what's going on with learning these days. Um, and, you know, are there developments or changes in technology in society in, in whatever that, that get you excited um, and, and, and that you think are kind of unfolding on the horizon that maybe are going to change how we approach learning, how we think about learning? Mm, not really. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Maybe, I mean, we're not, I don't know if we're in that world enough to, no. to speak about yeah, it. We're not really paying attention to that, honestly. I, I think we're like the, I mean I guess that's why he called this counterculture but we like the idea of like Socrates sitting by a tree or, and just like l- like learning face to face and exploring these things um, I don't even I mean we're really grateful to the technology that allows us allowed us to start Thinkolio with um, all like the little amount of resources that we had and then now to like build our own um, tech online that kind of um, brings people together but um, yeah, I don't. I honestly don't know too much about like what the tech and education in general do. No, I mean it does just excite me um, that anyone globally now can you know join in on a lecture on YouTube yeah. or um, share their own ideas and have like a committed audience for these conversations. But it does feel like a separate world from us like we're taking a very slow um, non-tech based approach to this world and and yeah it's just the route that we're on right now mm-hmm. I'm, yeah i do think there's exciting things happening it's i'm sure not, there are yeah, it's, not, <laughs> it's not over it's not, we're not necessarily against yeah. it we just aren't as aware yeah. of it <laughs> Well, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. And so the, the next to last question is, um, it's going to be one that focuses on your own personal learning and, and I would like to hear from, from both of you. Um, and so if you can just think about, you know, since you left, um, college, what's been one of the most powerful learning experiences that you've been involved with? Um, there are many to choose from since we're in this field now. <laughs> um, one that always stands out to me that, that just went through my head when you said when you asked that question was taught by a professor named Monica Marino, who's an educator at the Brooklyn Museum here. 
And she taught in Olio where we went to one floor of a museum, went to one exhibit, and the class was an hour and a half long, and we sat in front of one painting for the entire duration of that session. Mm. And it changed my entire approach to going to museums and bouncing around from room to room, painting to painting, um, you know, trying to just absorb everything in, 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 in sort of like a consumptive way. And this taught me how to appreciate one thing and, and sort of get everything out of it that I could in that moment. And, you know, she gave us some of the history behind the painting, but really allowed us to fill in the blanks. And it was like we were teaching ourselves throughout that hour and a half. Um, and it, it changed my ideas on pedagogy and um, really just how to experience art in that one session. So that definitely had a big impact. No, that one has still really even changed the way I walk into museums and will look at a piece of art and back away from it, stand really close to it, go a little bit to the right, a little bit mm -hmm. to the left, like how many different angles you can look at art. I think that was called Senses of Sight, right? And it was this, um, it was really cool. But my um, experience is actually on a totally different page than Dave's. We, uh, I'm going to say mine was actually Buffy the Vampire Slayer and um, <laughs> and. Uh, feminism and it actually is uh, Jamie Warren taught that class and it, I think it was actually at a rock climbing gym um, but we uh, she talks about the the character arc of Buffy the Vampire Slayer as a way that Joss Whedon the creator was like learning feminism for himself like he realized at throughout the whole like first half of the series he was creating like kind of like this like liberal version of a feminist character whereas like towards the end he was like embracing this idea of like marxist or radical feminism that um was really really powerful not only in that i just went home and binge watched all of the <laughs> Slayer, but it also helped me to um it's like to find my understanding of feminism in a lot of ways it was like a great metaphor that you can apply to other parts of the world hmm. with the the art museum example that that you both commented on, I mean, I think that that just feeds back with what we were talking about earlier about kind of your affinity for slow learning, you know, that it's just this appreciation, this being willing to go deep, which does, I think, feel perhaps unfortunately a little counterculture these days where right, we're sort right. of rushed from one thing to the next thing and never really spending Definitely. much time. I agree. So my final question is just if listeners want to know more about Think Olio, where where should they go? Hmm. They should come to an Olio and come meet us. Yeah. <laughs> that would be the best. But if you're not in New York, hopefully we'll be in your city soon. Um, our website is just thinkolio.org. Um, on Instagram and Twitter, uh, we're think.olio. I'm sorry, on, on Twitter, we're actually, what is Olio? <laughs> Instagram, we're think.olio. And we post a lot of live updates. We do some live streaming on Instagram through the stories. And now on our website, we have, um, Chris built this cool thing called the Chance Operation uh, for Learning, which is inspired by John Cage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Chris talk more about it. But um, we do little three-minute highlights of, of our classes on there so people can get a feel for the teachers. Um on Strand Bookstore's YouTube page, they have a lot of our folios filmed, which are longer in length. Those are about an hour. So you can go there and get a feel for it. Um, send us an email at either Chris or David at thinkolio.org, and we'd love to talk to you. 
Um, anything else, Chris? That's, that's great. Yeah. Um, Talk about John Cage. Uh, I, I always would love to talk about John Cage. Um, I guess just because we kind of brushed out the, the chance, yeah, it's like we're thinking of it as like a chance education um, video player, really. It's just like little snippets of our different classes, um, and it's a chance to kind of poke your, poke your head in and see what we're doing. But we really, um, John Cage kind of talked about he thought education actually happened when like two random things brushed up against one another, and it wasn't really like what you were trying to do or what you were like going after, but it was just like a random encounter. And he actually, when he taught at Black Mountain College, would just like teach a lot of his classes in the cafeteria and not even make it to the classroom and just like kind of like let people talk to him and talk to other people. And, and that I think embraces a lot of the, or our, um, our approach to learning it embraces a lot of those ideas where it's like, um, not necessarily about the goal you go into it with, but kind of being open to chance and open to, um, new ideas, which I mean, I think our members are really embracing that by just saying like, they have no idea what kind of classes are going to come up the next month because it's always completely different. But they're um, kind of committing to like, hey, I'm going to show up next month and just see what's going on. And I think that's important to education, this kind of miscellaneous idea of like uh, knowing a little bit about a lot of things. And, and there there are a lot of through lines between everything anyway. And so it's not, it's not just, I don't think it's futile. I think it's pretty helpful to kind of um, have these mirrors. So, uh, yeah, we love... Yeah, everybody should read John Cage. Yeah. <laughs> Watch his lectures, just listen to his voice. Yeah. <laughs> well, guys, thanks so much. I've really enjoyed the conversation, and uh, best of luck to both of you with Thinkolio going forward. Thank you, Salisa. This thank was really so fun much. to talk about this. Yeah, thank you. That wraps up our interview with David and Chris of Think Olio. To get show notes for this episode, just go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 127. And while you're there, you'll be able to get the link to the chance operation for learning that we mentioned at the beginning of the episode. While you're there at the show notes, you'll also see various options for subscribing to the podcast. And if you're enjoying and getting value out of what you hear, we'd be truly grateful if you would subscribe. We'd also be grateful if you'd take just a minute to give us a rating on iTunes. All you have to do is go to leadinglearning.com slash iTunes. That'll put you in the right place. It just takes a minute. It helps us know that you value the podcast, and it helps others to learn about the podcast and know that it's the place that they need to go if they're interested in this whole world of the learning business. We'd also be grateful if you would take a minute to visit our sponsor for this quarter, Blue Sky eLearn. Jeff and I put a lot of work into producing and delivering the Leading Learning Podcast, and one of the reasons we're able to do that is because of the support of sponsors like Blue Sky eLearn. So please check them out at blueskyelearn.com. In addition to finding out about their products and services, you're also going to find a variety of great resources that they offer for free. And finally, please do consider telling others about the podcast. You can send out a tweet simply by going to leadinglearning.com slash share, or if tweeting isn't your thing, just take the language that pops up automatically when you go to that link, and you can put it into any social network of your preference. Thanks again, and see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.